as uh, Helen said, I, my name's Sean. I am uh, part of the, the leadership team here in the church. And uh, as Helen mentioned, we're, we're looking, we're, we're, this is our second week of a five-week preaching series looking at a prophetic word that was given to us as a church uh, a few months ago. Uh, it's, the preaching series has been entitled The Three Big Fields, and that, if you're not, not aware of, that will become a very obvious later on why that is. And uh, Helen also alluded to the fact that uh, we're not doing it in the right order, and we're confu- maybe confusing you a little bit. Apologies for that, but as Helen said, there was a personal reasons for that. So we are looking at the third field first, and it's to do with a harvest of the Holy Spirit. And actually, uh, Jonathan and I were chatting this morning just before the service, and we both felt that actually the, putting, putting this one first feels right. It seems like the right order. So although we hadn't decided to do it this way, I believe God has intervened and put it in his order. When I was somewhere between 12 and 14 years old, I'd, I got saved at 10, and as if my mum, my brother and I started a new church to go, go into a new church. It was a charismatic church, and... Uh, after a few years there, a, a couple came for a, a weekend, really, just a one-off ministry time. I seem to remember, it's a long time ago, that uh, maybe he preached. I think she did some singing. I don't really remember, but what I do remember very clearly is that she brought a prophetic word for me. And... Uh, Basically, she said something along the lines of, God has mighty things for you to do for him. And that might not be in her exact words, but something of that nature, something of a, a real, something fantastic for me to press into in the future. Now, as many of you know, I, through my earlier teens, I struggled um, with bullying at school because I was a Christian. And I kind of turned my back on God for a a period of time. I stopped going to church at the age of 16. And it was only when I went to university and God brought me to a place where of calling me back. So within a, a few weeks, really, of being at university, having not been interested in God, I found myself going to church. Now, I went to uh, the University of Surrey, which is based in Guildford, and I, I went along with a number of Christians that had somehow become my friends in those few weeks. And I was at Milmead Church, many of you may know Milmead Church, and a, um, another student who I'd barely met spoken a prophecy over me. And would you believe it, she used almost the same words that had been given five, six, seven, eight years earlier. And it was, I felt a, a real reminder by God that he hadn't forgotten that this was something that he planned to do. 
You may be asking, why am I sharing that? Because, again, many of you who know me would say, well, I haven't really seen that in your life. And I would agree, I haven't seen that prophecy come to fruition yet in my life. But I do believe um, the Holy Spirit continually raises it up within me and I, I bring it back to God. I pray it through. I seek him for it. And so that, that's there in my life. It's something that I long, I have such a passion to see happen. Now as a church, again, this is historic. For many of you who have been around for many years, you will know we have received prophetic words given to this church. Things like uh, a picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon the church and flowing out up the river way all the way to London. And, and even in the last few years, another picture where someone saw the, the area of Alton as a bowl, which it, which it is, and with the Holy Spirit lapping at the edges ready to overflow. Now, we as a church, as a leadership team, and, and many of you I, I will agree, we believe still in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We seek them. We desire prophecy. We desire healing. We desire all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But many, again, would agree we've not seen much of that. But that is something that's on our heart. We don't believe it ended uh, in the New Testament with the Apostles, we believe that any day, any time, the Holy Spirit could come in power upon individuals, upon a church, upon a town, even upon a nation, and move people to be saved, people to be healed. Now, this morning we're going to be looking at a particular prophecy, as I mentioned, and just quickly, what, what is a prophecy? What do we define as a prophecy. Well, I I would suggest a prophecy, and this isn't a dictionary definition, this is just my thoughts. It is God's word given through an individual to a person, church, town, etc. It might be a picture. It might be a scripture. It might be words, you know, someone saying something. It is not scripture, but it is from God to us. It is a now word. It is something new, something fresh. On Sunday the 4th of March this year, Guy Miller, who leads our family of churches, came and preached to us. But before he spoke, he said, I've got a prophecy for you. I believe it's a word from God. And so I just want to share some of that so that we can then look further at it. So I'm, I'm going to. So at the beginning, then, I awoke, this is Guy speaking, I awoke with the dream of a farm, and it was a farm that was beautiful, like one of those toy farms. Beautiful buildings and fields and crops. And it was an arable farm. It had brick walls and hedgerows, it had different crops of wheat. And barley and oats. It was a farm that had grown a little bit tired, and I believe God said to me when I woke up that this was a picture for this church. That there were some fields that had laid had laid fallow for a number of years, and things were about to change. 
God showed me in this picture that there were three big fields that had been fallow for a number of years. That God was going to wake up. That God was going to wake up for you as a church. That God wanted you to take a harvest in. And many of you who have read this will recall that the, the first field was to do with a harvest of the youth and young people, teenagers. The second field was to, to do with the poor. And then the third field, which we're going to look at this morning, was this. The third field was a field of linseed. Linseed in the fact that linseed fields are a beautiful field of blue. And linseed produces this oil. And I believe God was saying, I want you to know that in my spirit, this church is going to drip with oil as well as honey. Honey was described regarding the field, of the youth field. There is a harvest of the spirit. There is a supernatural harvest of release of people into spiritual gifts. So this church will start to move with oil and ease and anointing in the Holy Spirit And what you have experienced up to this time is only the first fruits. And God wants to do so much more amongst you. To me, that is is just fantastic. I mean, it really is such a, a wonderful word to hear spoken over this church now, as, as a, a church, we're called to, to weigh prophecy, to consider whether it's right, whether it's biblical, whether it's for us. And as a leadership team, we, we have carried on that process and we feel that, yes, this is something we believe is from God. This is something we want to press into, it's want to, you know, to, to move in. Now, but what do we do? So we felt that it would be appropriate to spend some time preaching on it and then to uh, have some groups, some teams for each field to look at how we can bring this prophecy, this word from God, to, to bring this harvest in. And so in, uh, on the 27th of June... So just over a week away, I'd like to invite you to join me um, as we look at how how can we see this harvest, this move of the Spirit, however you like to interpret it. How can we see this happen? What do we need to do? Because if you note, right at the end of that passage... It says, and God wants to do so much more amongst us. But actually, that's a challenge. Are we ready to partner with God? Are we willing to do all things necessary to see this happen? And so, again, please join me. It's at 7.30 here in this building, in Wilberforce, in fact, the patio room at the downstairs. Please come. You may not feel that you've got anything to contribute at first, but just come. We want to pray. We want to seek God. We want people with ideas. Let's let's get together and do that. Could I have that picture up, please, uh, Sarah? Right, so we've got a little catchphrase for you to guess. I'm sure most of you have seen the show Catchphrase. 
I think the guy says, say what you see. Now, just the clue is, this is a book of the Bible. Anyone got any suggestions? Have to speak a bit louder. Thessalonians. Thessalonians. Which one? Okay, well, it is actually one Thessalonians because it's one thistle and there's one onion. So Thessalonians, one Thessalonians. <laughs> Hands up who got it. Few of you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> And then they're actually on a target. So, why am I sharing that? Well, actually, Paul challenged the Thessalonians to keep on target. And I want to read from, uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 16, verses 16 to 22. Be joyful always. So this is the the keeping on target, the challenge that Paul's bringing. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good Avoid every kind of evil. And we, I want to particularly look at nine, verses 19 to 22. Some of you may be asking, who is the Holy Spirit? It says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit we're talking about when it comes to the harvest, this field? Now, the theologian Wayne Gruden writes, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and there is one God. So the Holy Spirit is God. Let's just look at a Bible verse that ties all three persons of the, of the Trinity together. This is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is Jesus' baptism. So he's gone to where John the Baptist is, and he's been put under the water, and then we read this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water... At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So we see here, Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came as a man. Jesus, we see heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descending upon him, and we hear the voice of God the Father speaking. So all three 
persons of the Trinity in one verse. And there are many other, or two verses, there are many other passages of Scripture where all three persons of the Trinity are included. Just showing that they are, there are three. Not just one God, or not just one, one person, but three persons, one God. And yeah, I know it's complicated. There's not enough time to try and even scratch the surface of it. So both Paul here in Thessalonians and Guy in his prophetic word are referring here to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Now, as we continue in that passage from Thessalonians, Paul uh, exhorts them and and also us, because actually, as we know, the Bible is for, for all of us. He exhorts regarding prophecies that we, we are not to treat prophecies with contempt. So that means we're not to ignore them. We're not to say, oh, that's a load of rubbish. Actually, what we need to do is we are to test them. We are to ensure that they are of God, that they are for us. And then we, as we pick through them, we're to hold on to what is good. And if there's anything wrong, anything evil, as it were whether that's in the prophecy or at any other point, we are to get rid of it, not hold on to it. So, the third field then, it talks about two main things. Firstly, the Holy Spirit, and it talks about oil. Now, you might say, well, does this relate to Scripture? That's a good way of weighing a prophecy. So we're going to just read a few Verses again and look at that. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 to 31 to start with. Now this is way back when uh, Israel has been released from Egypt. They have been wandering around in the wilderness and they have been um, given... Rules, commands by God, and they're in the process of setting up the priesthood. And so we come to verse 22 in chapter 30. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the following fine spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much, that is 250 shekels of fragrant cinnamon, 250 shekels of fragrant cake. Get your dry mouth now. Five hundred shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary shekel, and a hin of olive oil. Make these into a sacred anointing oil, a fragrant, fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer. It will be the sacred anointing oil. Then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils. And the basin with its stand. You shall consecrate them so that they will be most holy. And whatever touches them will be holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. Say to the Israelites, this is to be my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. So here we see God is 
um, instructing uh, the making of an oil when it's poured on the articles and also on the men, they are being anointed to be holy before God. Let's move on then to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Now here we find that Samuel the prophet has uh, come to anoint a new king. The existing king, which is Saul, uh, has displeased God. And so God has said to Samuel, go and anoint someone else to be king. And as we know, it's actually, it's David. And so we read in verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil, the anointing oil, and anointed, so that David anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel then went to Ramah. So in anointing David, not only is he set aside, not only is he made holy, but we read here that he receives the power of the Holy Spirit. So we see in this anointing, the Holy Spirit is poured out as well. So there, there we have the oil and the Spirit together. Let's look at one further passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 4. And then verses 14 and 18. Now Jesus says, this is now after Jesus' baptism. It says here, Jesus returned, oh sorry, and he has actually been in the, in the wilderness, in the desert, been tested by the devil. Now it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And then verse 18 Jesus now in the synagogue, and he stood up, he's taken a scroll, and he's reading a passage of scripture from, actually from Isaiah, and Jesus re- reads this, the spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, verse and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we read here, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I've been anointed by the Holy Spirit so that I can do this and this and this. Do you see how the oil, the anointing oil and the Holy Spirit are tied here in Scripture? And there are many, many other verses, again, through Scripture, where we can see this. So pulling this together then, The anointing that Jesus talks about, the anointing of the Spirit, allows him and us, the anointing is for preaching, it is for proclaiming freedom, it is for healing, it is for releasing, it is for consecrating, as in making holy, and it is for empowering. Wow, isn't that incredible? Wonderful, it's just incredible. This is what the Holy Spirit brings, and much more. Now, Guy's third field is not specific. It doesn't say, 
or God will do this, and God will do that, and then he will do this. All it says is, the Holy Spirit is going to move. We're going to have a harvest of the Spirit, a move of the Spirit. And in so doing, this is allowing God to be sovereign. God will have his way. It's not our plan, but actually, we want whatever God wants. We want to be led by him. We want to see him do whatever's on his heart. But we do get a few tasters. And they are a release of people into spiritual gifts. So we're looking, we're, that, that will include prophetic words, healing, words of knowledge, you know, and, and many more. A release of people. We are people, yeah? People. This is talking about a releasing for us into the gifts of the Spirit. It also talks about being anointed in the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus was talking about. I have been anointed. I have received. I am empowered. This word suggests that this is for us. It also says what was before was only the first fruits. To me, that suggests, well, you've just had a little bit in the past. There's been bits and pieces. Actually, what's coming now is going to be so much more. You're going to forget about the first fruits because it's going to be so much greater, so much more wonderful. So many more will be touched by this. God wants to do so much more. And in a sense, this takes me back to my passage in 1 Thessalonians. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Such a challenge. You know, we, we could block this. We could say, no, no, this isn't of God. We don't want this. Well, well maybe we'll put a bit of energy into it. You know, maybe a one or two prayer meetings. Maybe we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll leave a little bit of space. But is that not looking to put out the Spirit's fire? Is that not standing against him and where he wants to go? So what are we going to do about it? Well, I would suggest the following. Firstly, individually, we must weigh it. Is it biblical? Is it for me? Is it for now? That, that's an individual thing. You need to work through this and say, yes, I believe this is God, and therefore I'm going to go for it. If, it's, if you don't believe it's from God, then don't, don't go for it. But actually, if you are convinced, you say, yes, I believe this is God, I believe it's biblical, I believe it's for me, and I believe it's for now, then you need to get behind it. Pray for it to happen. Yeah, pray it back to God. Say, look, uh, uh, this field, I want to see it come to fruition. Ask God for a burden for it. Say, look, Lord, if this is truly from you, I want it to burn within me. I want it to be, to be on my heart when I'm constantly proclaiming it back to you, crying out to you for it. Pray with others. Whether that's a, a church prayer meeting, whether it's in twos or threes, get a burden Get together and pray. 
And then, as I mentioned earlier, you can come along to this field meeting on Wednesday the 27th. Get involved. See what else you can do. Bring your thoughts. Bring your ideas. Let's do this together. I just say that I would ask, make every effort to come. There is no further commitment beyond that meeting unless you want to. You can come. You can listen. You don't have to say anything. And you can leave. But I believe this is a great opportunity for people to be involved in this. It will be an opportunity to seek God for a way forward in seeing his word come to fruition. You may feel, well, I've heard things like this before. We, as I said earlier, we have had prophetic words over this church. They're, they're scattered through my history, your history, words of, you know, that God's going to do something, and maybe it didn't come to fruition. It's scattered through the church's history. Maybe you're saying, well, what makes this time special? Is this any different? Are we just being bigged up until we fall? This uh, Wednesday gone, a number of us were, were down at Bournemouth at a prayer meeting. And there were a number of prophetic words brought from people from different churches, all parts of our family of churches, but from different churches. One such word was this. Our churches, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember it exactly, but I want to just give the, the gist of it. Our churches... Our family of churches are positioned over spiritual fault lines, like, uh, like you do you know, volcanic fault lines in the earth. And they are getting near to break through. The, 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 the magma, the lava is about to break through. But not, a, you know, not real lava, obviously, that wouldn't be very healthy for us. But actually, an eruption of the Spirit is about to come upon our churches. We are in prime position, built right over that fault line, ready to receive an eruption of, of the Spirit with the churches at the centre. And in the same word, uh, that person brought another picture as well. He talked about a, a tsunami, sometimes happens with an earthquake, and how the earthquake had occurred and the tide, you may know, draws out. So the shoreline is exposed and there were people just looking around and thinking, oh, this is nice, this is good, seeing the shoreline there. But he said, the, the wave is coming, the power of the Spirit is coming, but it won't bring destruction, but it will be for the good of us all. At that same meeting, I had a picture, and I want to share it with you. And this was, this was before any of the other words had been given. This is just something I felt God to give to me. I don't know how many of you have been to St. Michael's Mount in Cornwall. Um, it is an, an island, and when the tide's out, you can walk across to it. But when the tide starts to come in, the, the causeway is underwater. And so these little boats appear. You know, the locals come out with their, their boats but as the tide's coming in, because it's a flat beach, the boats can't get it right up to the shoreline. And so what happens is they've built various jetties out of concrete nearer to the island. 
And the first one that's in use when the tide starts coming in, to get to it, you have to uh, walk across the damp, squidgy sand. You have to avoid the slippy seaweed and the stones. And then you get to uh, quite a large uh, rock and uh, steps have been cast into it. But actually, because it's been underwater, it's constantly slippy. It's, constantly, it's got slime and seaweed on it. And, so, and the, the steps are, are not even. And so you have to clamber up that um, to, and then clamber down the other side in the same thing. And you find a, a concrete jetty. And when you get there, of course, if you're one of the early ones there, what you find is the boats are all the way down there because the tide's still coming in. So it's like a, a leap of faith into this boat. But as the tide comes in, obviously that becomes easier. But what happens is, as the tide draws in, so that jetty goes underwater, and then another jetty nearer the shore becomes in use, until when the tide's fully in, the the jetty is literally on the shore, and so you step from the pavement into the boat. It's an easy journey. And I, I felt... God would say this, that the sea is a picture of his power, of his presence, of the moving of the spirit in our lives, both individually and corporately. Now, getting into the boat is a picture of us stepping into the work of the Holy Spirit, of knowing his presence, of being willing to travel with him. Now, in the past, the journey into his presence has it been at times slow and difficult? He has seemed far off and we have sometimes slipped back. I felt God was saying that he is now drawing near. We will still need to step, take the step into his presence, that is into the boat, but it is becoming easier. We will also experience more of his power and the moving of his spirit as we are able to quickly Draw near to him. And so just drawing to an end, I believe these are exciting times. I am excited. This is me excited. <laughs> God is doing, going to do something incredible, but we must press into him. We must not quench the Spirit's fire. We must not treat prophecies with contempt we must test everything we must hold on to the good and we must avoid every kind of evil let's pray (laughs) actually before I pray I just want to issue this challenge if, if you are starting, maybe you're not there yet, but maybe you're starting to feel that, yes, this prophetic word from Guy and other things that we've been hearing is of God. I Actually, I'd like you to stand. Let's... I think this is, you know, let's just declare something here before God. Father God, I am you know, excited in what you are doing. 
and what I believe you are going to do. And Lord, I just pray as we've stood up, as we've taken this step toward you, Lord, we're saying, yes, we want to be on board with you. We want to, we want all that you've got for us, Lord. We want it all. We want to know the leading of your spirit. We want to know your power in our presence. We want to see these, uh, these fields being harvested. Lord, I just pray that you would build in us a faith for this. Lord, a, a real continued zeal for you, a passion for you. Lord, that we would press in and we would not stop. Holy Spirit, would you, would you just touch lives? Would you bring challenges? Would you, would you speak to those who are maybe unsure? Those who are saying, yeah, well, okay, Lord, but I just want some reassurance in this. I'm a little scared. Lord, would you, would you touch hearts even now amongst us? Yeah. Lord, we, we just love you. We want more of you. Come do it, Lord, I pray. Amen.